With the first pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Zion Williamson from Duke University. Welcome back to the Pelly Podcast, and it is our 30th episode, hey. Big 3-0, and, and, and speaking of the intro music, we may have to change it. I was going to say that. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> we may have to change it, uh, depending on how these uh, next few weeks go, because, um, well, shit, I was going to start with Stan Van Gundy first. I mean, I'll ask you guys how you are, but I mean, we'll go right into the, the, the Drew trade rumors, but you know. Other than that, um, like I said, 30th episode. We thank y'all for listening yeah. in again. As always, I have Jonathan and Tyler with me. Yeah, I think the new intro, we got to hit up our boy, Tyler. Yep. Mike, we got to get Mike B to, to rap the Pelly Pod intro. Yeah, and I mean, he's he's versatile, so. We just need to get a new beat. He's a jack of all trades, that guy. I'd love to see him on the intro. Oh, wait. Uh, so do we do, we would do Zion, Ingram. Would we do anybody else? Let's just stick to the heavy hitters right yeah. now. Yeah, I wish Van Gundy would do like a fucking wall quote. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, we got to quote the there. fucking wall. That would be a dope intro. Yeah. So back to obviously Drew Holiday. Um, this week has been kind of um, kind of a whirlwind for him because, you know, he's obviously in trade rumors and he's been in trade rumors all season long. Um, But... It seems like now there's somebody really pushing the narrative. Is that coming from his team? Is that coming from the Pelican side? Is that coming from teams that, you know, are interested in him? How are these rumors surfacing? I think uh, the Pelicans should be excited that we're going to trade Drew for Kyle Kuzma straight up. (laughs) And uh, he's going to be a Laker next year. No, I don't know. It's a good question, man. Obviously... And I, and this it gets asked often from our um from our fan base. And the question is, who do these rumors benefit? Well, like wh- who would want these rumors out there? Always and, think who said it. Yeah, and it's shams, right? Yeah, and who we've talked about this before. Who's David Griffin's mouthpiece? It's Woj. Yeah. So, I don't know. normally if you hear anything straight from Griffin, it's Woj. And I think the comments that he made with the interview with Stan Van Gundy made it kind of seem like, yo, I didn't leak this. Yep. So I got, I got kind of got that sentiment and David Griffin's been pretty straightforward in terms of his intentions. And, and by straightforward, I mean, it's normally coming from Woj and this time it hasn't. So you got to think this is benefiting other teams that are trying to get through. Right, like maybe the doors open for them a little bit more to start calling up the Pelicans and putting pressure on. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know who would this come from because it doesn't seem like Drew's camp would leak this. Uh, I mean, it's probably multiple. You know, it, it could be from any team really because, as we know, there was right now. There's probably like ten to twelve teams asking for him. Mm-hmm. So all it's got to take is just one of those teams. Yeah, we asked for Drew. They're listening. You know, yeah. and that's pretty much what the thing says. Hey, they're actively listening on offers because guess what? They weren't the only team. Um, 
So, I mean, with that being the case, I think Drew's value is higher than ever. It's been talked about multiple times, and we found out Drew was rumored, essentially, that there was talks during the trade deadline last season, and that turns out to be the case, as you know, Griffin confirmed in that interview. But, yeah, who it comes from, that's what I would say. I would say it's like another yeah. team or something. But here's the thing, though. So, in... In Griffin's comments on the, what was it like a Q&A for the Pelicans? It's a VIP session. Yeah. Uh, VIP session. So we got access to. I, yeah. I will say this. His comments from the start of last season to now are significantly different on Drew Holiday. He, he, his opinion went from Drew Holiday is a possible MVP candidate to now stating, and, and this is a direct quote from the interview, Basically, he says, you know, we're trying to build a team that can be highly competitive today and build towards a sustainable future. If that means Drew is part of that, that's special for us because he loves being with us and we love the way he plays. If the best way to build towards that future and the best way to put him in the best position to succeed is for him to be traded, that's what ends up happening. That would that statement wouldn't have been made a year ago. Well, no. Yeah, but and I mean this is our this is our thing with Drew as much as we love Drew and everything like that inconsistency's kind of been you know his trademark with his time here with us. So, you know, David Griffin sees Portland Drew goes that guy can definitely be a MVP caliber player. Sees him come out on the season on a fully healthy season, you know, for the most part. I mean, I think he was out for a little stretch there. Um and offensively just wasn't consistent. I mean, he was that defensive juggernaut, but he didn't really impact wins or anything. So, I mean, he's not necessarily wrong on changing his mindset because he's, he's actually, you know, seen it with giving Drew all those expectations. Maybe it's a transition of power, too, um, with the players because mm-hmm. you seem like last year they, uh, David Griffin was trying to protect Zion and Lonzo that's, and B.I. That's another good point, yeah. From yeah. The, the burden of high expectations being so young and put that weight on Drew Holiday. And now we're transitioning into a second season. Really, I guess more like two and a half seasons out if you kind of include yeah, that bubble. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but like now that transition and that burden of success and being successful has to go to Zion and, and Brandon Ingram. Yeah, because what I've heard, too, is that they're putting a lot more on Zion this season, mm-hmm. and he wants that. Um, and I think they're looking for... I Griffin is definitely looking for a leader, and Drew kind of has... Drew is a leader through his actions, not his words. But those, you know for whatever reason in the NBA being a leader with your words and being vocal on the court and showing um, that next level leadership is for whatever reason, a might be more valuable of a trait than like being, you know, uh, a elite defender or elite shooter. Like you think of somebody like Patrick Beverly doesn't do anything too great, but he's a, you want him on your team. Yeah. He's one of those guys, and I think Griffin's looking for that, but not necessarily in that way. He wants, you know, um, 
he wants the good character, but I think he sees Zion as the one who will take the step up and be that demanding leader that we wanted out of Anthony Davis, who was never going to be that and obviously isn't that now. It's it's kind of funny, though, because, you know, we, we talk about transition of leadership and someone stepping up on a young team, but Stan Van Gundy kind of mentioned in his uh, opening press conference, like, that's not going to be the excuse for this team anymore. Yeah, is, that they're young. That they're is that we're young. Like yep. you know, like that that can't be what this team's identity is. And for the longest time, I felt like that's what people always. That was like always our our identity from coaches is we're still a young team. We're learning, and it just was like, well, are we ever not going to be a young team learning? And it just feels like Stan Van Gundy is committed to taking the team to I, I the next it. level. And believe me, I wasn't the biggest fan of the hire. Mm-hmm. But oh, I know I, I've kind of been <laughs> he's kind of sold me on some of the things he said, you know, because it's always been like, you know, I've, I've always just been told, like, as far as the team goes, that we're always like another year away from from our young guys aren't another year away. And it seems like, no, like that time is now the team needs to start being held accountable. And, and yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. And I agree, man. And, and it seems like there's always these thought processes that you have to be in like one boat or the other, right? Like either you're a young upcoming team or you're fighting for a championship. And maybe our time of transition is happening right now. Yeah. You know, BI is on his second contract. Lonzo is going to be on his second contract. So mm-hmm. it, like the time to tr- start transitioning into being a good team is right now. Sooner than you think. And so what do you do? You, you set the bar high and you have that expectation so the expectation going into last season didn't f- like it's weird. I I, it, I felt like we had high expectations last year, but this season, before our team is even built, the hiring of Stan Van Gundy and the rhetoric of David Griffin, the expectations are higher for this season, like already. And at some point, you have to say we're a good team, and this is what we expect to be. We expect to be in the playoffs, and why not start now? And the Stan Van Gundy hire seems like that's going to happen. And, I mean, just to stay on topic, that has to be the expectation regardless of if we have Drew on his team or not. So how replaceable, and, and this is kind of like an easy question, but how replaceable is Drew Holiday on this team? It's tough. Um, defensively, you really can't replace him individually. That's got to be like a team collective effort, right? Um Offensively, I really don't think Drew brought too much to the table this past year. Outside of maybe his playmaking ability, we did use him as a secondary ball handler often. Um, he did body some big guards down low, but offensively, his production is going to be taken by Lonzo and I'm sorry, not Lonzo, Zion having more shots this year, right? So uh, Zion's going to have more shots. You're going to see Brandon Ingram have more shots, and whoever we bring in, if we trade Drew, is going to take his shots. So offensively it's there defensively you can't really replace drew i think he's the best on ball defender guard in the entire league so that's just gonna have to be a team effort like we're just gonna have to improve massively overall as a team and then you can mask the loss of drew as an individual yeah that's so it's funny because where drew is kind of irreplaceable on the offensive side um Ingram and Zion both do really well, and that's driving to the basket. Yeah. Uh, the problem with Drew is he doesn't get the fouls that Ingram and Zion do get when they drive to the basket. Massive um, difference. But 
Drew also is, as you said, an absolute playmaker when he's going to the basket. Um, he sets up a lot of things for the team in general because he was really our only guard that could do that. He was our only guard that could, you know, take that step with the ball, get to the basket, and then open up the rest of the floor. Um, so, you know, you'd usually see him 10-plus drives a game because of that. Uh, so right now that would definitely be irreplaceable, um, especially with, you know, we, we have no idea what Lonzo is at with that because he, he never really drove at all. Nah, who knows where he's at in his development. J.J. Reddick's obviously not going to do that. Um, so that that's definitely going to be, I think, more of an irreplaceable trait than the defense because I think the defense is almost guaranteed to be better because you have a coach where that's a priority. We already know, and I'm pretty sure that's why Griffin canned him, but we already know defense was not that big of a priority for Gentry. Right, but um, like, does does Drew on a good defensive team stick out even more? Yeah, you no, know? he does. Yeah. But I'm saying, as far as like the impact, if you're looking at it from like a net perspective, mm-hmm. like it, the defensive loss, like individually, you can do a lot defensively to shut someone down. But because he was our best individual defender, we always had him on bad matchups. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Like, so really, he wasn't given as much as he probably could on a on a team with actual good defenders and better because the i mean the other thing is to your point zion and ingram have been terrible terrible defenders so far yeah so i think the the narrative is that if and when drew does get traded right yeah if he goes to a team like brooklyn miami or I, i don't know i'm just speaking out of my head right now golden state denver maybe denver maybe each one of those teams have the ability and the talent to make a deep run into the playoffs. So the narrative's going to be extremely terrible around the Pelicans because all they're going to talk about is... Because he, he's going to get looked at like he's a superstar again, right? Yeah. And because he's going to be able to have those favorable matchups. He's not going to be guarding LeBron James on a nightly basis anymore, you know? He's not going to be asked to guard Kevin Durant in a six in a, in a seven game series in a, play, a playoff series, he's going to be guarding the other team's shooting guard. He's going to look dominant, and the rest of the team is going to mask what he does poorly offensively. And people are going to look at us and say, "Look at New Orleans. They they traded away another superstar player and couldn't get the best out of him." And and, and I think that's what is going to hurt us the most is just having that yeah that narrative around is that so just, I don't. Do, you, do and, y'all ever think, like, why was that the case? Like, how did we go that many years where Drew was always guarding, like, the best guy on the opposite end of the court? How could we not, like, I know that's why we went and got Solomon Hill and stuff like that, but is that just showing, like, we had to get defensive-minded players just to even have people play defense because... I mean, just for so long, our money was invested in players that didn't play defense. I just you don't see that in yeah. the NBA really. But like, th- th- think about think about the players we've had at the three, right? Or the players we've we've kind of had to ask to guard like players like LeBron James, right? Like Dante Cunningham, yeah, uh, out of position. Solomon Hill, Quincy Pondexter. Quincy was decent when he was healthy. Exactly, but like that's what I'm saying though. Like those are the guys we've had. To, we we've given that assignment to, yeah, and yeah. then that you can't expect. First of all, you can't expect to to shut down guys like Kevin Durant and James and LeBron James, but when you're throwing guys like that at them, it it's 
It's not making it any harder on them. Yeah, I and mean, so you then, saw LeBron. So then you're 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 asking Drew to guard LeBron, and now you just have Clay Thompson running around on on offense with a guy who clearly can't keep up with him, and that's why it it was so easy for the other teams to just get open shots on us. Yeah, that was part of the reason. Overall, defense was just pretty bad across the yeah, board. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, the overall question we have to ask ourselves, and I think it's a pretty answer, is, is the return for Drew going to match what Drew brings to this team? In a straight-up trade, no. no. So then the second question is, does Drew, if he stays, re-signs? And if the answer to that is no, then I think you have to trade him whether the return equals or has a lesser value. Yeah. So, I think it, here's the thing, right? You're not gonna like Tyler said in a straight up trade, just players. I don't think you're you're gonna you're, you're not gonna get the value back, right? So you kind of have to hope you hit on a draft pick with, that you get with it. And I know that's 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 pretty much what you hope for whenever you draft, right? But more or less so then because that pick is gonna become. Attached to that, attached trade. to that trade, yeah. Or I mean, or you can do the AD route and hopefully just get a young third, second, third, fourth year guy that hasn't proved anything yet. Maybe with the right system, the right coach, the right improvement, the right opportunity, we might have the next Brandon Ingram on our hands. You know, so and and then that that input won't be what Drew brings to the court, but maybe overall through a stretch of time. It's better to have that than just one year of Drew. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the other big problem right now is teams are kind of locked in on uh, cap space, um, draft capital in general. Uh, this draft is not, as far as top-end talent, really there. Um, so a lot of teams are looking to trade back, saturating that market pretty much. So... I mean, that's the thing. Like, you look at somebody like Golden State, and it's like, oh, they can give up the number two pick, which sounds nice. But number two picks don't really always work out too often. I mean, Ingram and Lonzo are going to be your first two ones that come to mind. So, I mean, that's good. But you're looking at this year, they have no idea who's even going one, two, three, or anything like that. It's, you know, because everybody's in that same range. But if you look at like a, with a trade like Golden State for the number two, you can probably, if you really look at this draft, get equal value for two that you can like uh, probably like two to ten. Yeah, it seems to be like that tier one is a very large tier. Yeah. So, you know, like there's a yeah. tier 1.5 this year. Yeah. There's not a yeah. Ja Morant Zion tier. Like you can, there's going to be, I think there's going to be dudes from this draft that are going to be looked at as like missed over and skipped over. But I just think it's like one big pool. It's pretty even across the board that way. Yeah. And the mock like drafts are kind of proven that they're, they're all over the place. They're all over the place compared to last year, like thoroughly all over the place compared to last year. But I mean, yeah, I think we're all in agreement. Whatever return, if we trade Drew, the ret immediate return, the short term return, like the current value of the trade is going to be lesser for the Pelicans. But now you, you, the question is, how do you maximize the the long term profit of this trade? And that's going to be a big a big problem um, to solve for Griffin, and that's going to be a big part of our future. Um, you know, you you can argue that's 
uh, you can't say it's on par with AD, but it's a it's a big trade. It's our second biggest yep. trade so, to decide our future since AD. So I asked y'all this in the uh, in our group chat, but um, what are you looking for out of a Drew trade? Are you looking for the best draft pick package possible? Are you looking for the best so player I, package possible? I guess I guess it comes down to how does the team view Lonzo and Josh Hart long term, right? Yeah. Like if those are your guys at guard, those are the guys you see as your guards of the future. Then it's not super important to draft for I mean to 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 trade for another guard. I think at that point you're you're looking to fill other holes, right? So obviously you're looking to fill the center hole that Derek Favors is leaving. Yeah, you are. Um if if you are trading Drew and you do trade him to to a team and you are able to lock down a center um because Jackson Hayes isn't ready and you, you can get an established center player, I think with the draft pick you can kind of go guard, maybe like Anthony Edwards and hopefully he he pans out. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be there wherever we get, but honestly, it just it just comes down to do I view Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart as like the future guards of this team, along with like you know Nikhil Alexander Walker. I, I don't know, but for, for me, we at least have to get one established player who can kind of fill because we're going to have a hole, right? Drew Drew leaving and Derek Favors leaving. That's two massive holes in our starting lineup. So one of those holes has to be plugged up with a player who can provide a, a net positive. So whether it's at the guard position or center position doesn't matter to me. It has to be a play, but it has to be there. There has to be a player there. And as far as the trades go, I mean, it just depends on what team you trade with and what pick you can get. I'm gonna play devil's advocate here and just say for my trade, I want the highest possible ceiling prospect. Okay. And so, yeah, position, like, filling a position of need would be great, and I'm super happy if that happens, but I'd be even more happy if we got a prospect that has a potential to be another superstar. And I think there's really only two that we can get, maybe three, but I think the two that I would target, and right now it sounds like this is impossible, but you got to think Tyler Hero, you got to think Michael Porter Jr., and potentially he's a little bit older so maybe not but he does have an injury history um we saw flashes of brilliance from Karis Levert uh last year so those would be my three targets just because they have the highest ceiling and I'd hope if we trade Drew we get one of these young guys that could turn into uh, something great long term for the Pelicans so I, I agree with Jesse I would love for this trade to fill a position of need but higher on my list would be grabbing an individual with a high ceiling. Yeah, so this is the tough scenario with uh, trying to compete now and rebuild. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because the thing is, what you want to do in this rebuilding process um, is it's really about obtaining assets uh, and understanding that like you want the best value so you can actually go after who you want and you know build that uh, exact team. Sometime that adds... You know, so let's say it's a draft pick, uh, and they pick a guy, and he pans out, and he's a perfect fit with Zion, Ingram, Lonzo, whatever. Um, great, awesome. But let's say you know you do trade for you, you trade for a pick, you get a guy, um, and he's great. But guess what? You can flip him next season for Bradley Beal. You know, yeah. that's that's kind of how you got to look at it. 
But at the same time, Griffin has stated like he wants his team to compete and he wants it to win. So you do actually have to, you can't just send Drew off, bring a bunch of picks uh, and a bad contract and expect to compete. It's, you're definitely taking a hit there. So that is a very tough balance. Um, and honestly, like Drew wants to go to these contenders, and that's another reason why I say straight up trades because I still want I still want draft picks. And you look at you know what like Denver and Brooklyn can offer, and you know even like supposedly Lakers and Clippers were mentioned, but like like teams like the Lakers and Clippers have no draft capital. They have they would nothing. have to be a third yeah. team somehow. Yeah, they would have to be a third team, and I don't know what the other team's going to take right. off of them. So. And then you're looking at teams like Brooklyn and Denver. They're going to be competing for years on end. Their draft picks are not going to be that valuable, you know. So throwing in Gary Harris and some filler in a draft pick isn't going to cut it for me. I just I would rather keep Drew and lose him at that point. Yeah, you know. Um, and this is why it's important for us to have assets because look at the teams going after Drew. They have built up assets over mm-hmm. the years, right? So they do have some training material, albeit it might not be draft picks, I, but they have I'm give draft, you a dark horse well, real quick that nobody's talked about yeah. that I was thinking about. I've seen a couple of people talk about it today because they had came out today and ownership is pushing real hard for them to compete now. Atlanta? Atlanta. Yeah. I think, uh, and then you also, you because you want to, I've heard Dallas, I think Dallas is like fourth as like a team. What's Dallas mm, got? They don't have anything they gave I up want. a lot. But get... da- David Griffin is also not going to set up uh, a, you know, a potential contender within his division like that, I don't think, unless the trade is yeah. super good. You I know? can't see that happening. But I mean, I, I do like the idea. Um, Atlanta has a couple nice young pieces that would fit nice. If they're trying to, well, compete. not only that, and they, they have got a high draft they pick. got the six pick, yeah, you know, um, and that could potentially be Killian Hayes, right? It's it's potentially or, why I like Golden State too, because it's not just Golden State's number two pick this season, but if you could somehow get the Timberwolves pick that they have next next season, season it could be really nice. That could be something. Yeah. Um. So it's. I mean that's the, that's the interesting balance you got to take. Uh, you're trying to compete now. You can go get a player like Lavert. Or like you know one of those young young vets, you, you know how we like to do that. But uh, or you go for draft, or you go for a mix of both. But I really think David Griffin's listening to see about this bidding war for him because there's no free agents really on the table. Um, you know, and a lot of people are going to be waiting for Giannis, but people feel like a lot of teams feel like Drew is that missing piece. So you know. Maybe a team like Denver goes, you know what? We're not going to compete with Michael Porter right now. We want to make sure we stay in this timeline. Let's go get Drew. Right. You know, maybe Miami says the same thing. I think with Miami, why they're hesitant is because they do like Tyler Harrow. They believed in him. They drafted him, obviously. Um, At number 13. But they're waiting on Giannis, you know? I just heard, I, so I was like kind of going through Twitter and reading what different people have to say as far as like the Drew trade. And it's kind of conflicting because some Heat bloggers are saying that the team is willing to include Tyler Hero and like, you know, trade trade talks. But then there's others saying that he is completely off the table. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, if, if he's off the table, then who are, and, and Bam is off the table, then who well, are Bam you giving us? Yeah. The then who are you giving us? Because you're not giving us Jimmy Butler. So... Who on that team are you giving us that's I'm, worth... I mean, none and some 
I mean, you could Miller do none and, and Robinson, but that's not that's not. I just worth don't think it. that gets Drew though. No, and listen, no. if I'm Miami, I totally understand if you don't want to give up Tyler Hero. Yeah, but at the same time, you're just not going to get Drew in return for those other pieces. So I just think we're at a stalemate there. That with Miami. That's a, and I think Griffin is perfectly, and that's why he say pretty much was being, uh, I think, 100% honest when he said that. I think he's perfectly fine with Drew staying if he can't get that value return Mm -hmm. because the big thing to look for, we talk about timeline with players. It's not timeline as far as age, like Drew's 31 and Zion's 20, and that's not going to match up. Uh, No, that's not. It's the contracts. Drew's Mm going to become a free agent. He's probably going to get paid, I don't know, 26, 28 mil. Uh, per year on his contract, you're potentially re-signing Lonzo, potentially re-signing Hart. You're definitely signing Ingram. That's locking in a core that we all just saw win less than 40 games. So let me ask this. If if a trade does happen, is it if he, if he makes it to the draft, right, without being traded, after that, do you think it's he's he's on the team for sure? If he makes it through the draft, yeah. Because um, yeah, in, in my I, personal I think, in my personal opinion, if he isn't traded if he isn't traded before or at, on draft night, yeah, I think he's on the team indefinitely for yeah. A little bit I longer. think he'll be on the team um, until either we are off to a disastrous start and Griff's like, okay, well, you know, but I think that would be trade deadline time to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. So, if, but I think a lot of GMs are are uh, trigger happy uh, from being out of the game for a minute. Teams like Atlanta and stuff like that haven't been around basketball for months. Yeah, you know, so they're itching. I mean, that would be a weird scenario that we trade Drew at the trade deadline to a contender when we got him on a trade. Because I'm not on a trade. I, I thought you said draft night. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Because then they only get half a season of Drew. And it's half a season of Drew really putting you over the edge, you know? So maybe, maybe, maybe we've seen well, that before. Yeah. I mean, if they're yeah. a playoff team like Brooklyn or Denver, mm-hmm. you know, they understand when they get him, when they get to the playoffs, he'll be that, that extra but, punch they need. But if the Pelicans are like a seven, eight, seven, or six seed, then you want Drew on your team. Then, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're going to be the goal for, I think it would, the goal for Griffin this season is playoffs, and he wants that. To win, and you know, if he got that out of Drew this worth season, it. he th- he thinks that's worth it. I think we should just prepare for Kyle Kuzma to be on the team. I'll fucking strangle I'll, you. <laughs> I'll burn a jersey. <laughs> I'll buy a jersey and burn it. <laughs> What's next, Jess? What we got coming? So, up? um moving on from the man, we spent thirty fucking minutes. We went all over the place, though. Drew deserves the thirty. Yeah, minutes. yeah, he's, definitely. We, we love Drew. So moving on, um, from the last podcast, we were talking about what possible coaches we could get. In between then and now, we have hired Stan Van Gundy. Mm -hmm. And as far as assistant coaches go, we know he's keeping Fred Vincent on the staff. Mm -hmm. But not much else has been discovered on that front. So... I'm going to ask each of you to give me a quick take on the Stan Van Gundy hire, what you like, what you don't like, if you like anything at all, um, possible assistance you guys think could be coming to New Orleans, and what does the future hold? Yeah, Stan Van Gundy, I was pretty excited because I was... Um, Lame. Jeez, Jesus, dude. <laughs> 
But no, I was I was comparing them to David Griffin, and they're both in the same boat. David Griffin in Stan Van Gundy had very very cush uh, uh, network jobs, and both of them were in high demand. And what I mean is, more than one team would have hired David Griffin or Stan Van Gundy if those teams, um, if Stan Van Gundy or David Griffin wanted to. So they're both in that same boat where they're in high demand, but they weren't leaving their cush job for any opportunity. They were leaving their their cush jobs for an opportunity that they wanted, an opportunity where they thought could be successful, where they could build the team that they wanted to build in the right way and they could potentially fight for championships. So seeing that he chose us the way David Griffin, and I mean, that's all I want out of any player or coach is just somebody who wants us, man. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? We just, we live in a, we, we've lived in timelines where we've just seen player after player after player. We've seen owners walk out on us. We've seen new, you know, article after article about our market not being able to sustain the success of two, uh, two high profile sports teams. So the hiring of Stan Van Gundy and the hiring of David Griffin and the drafting of Zion and seeing Zion and Brandon Ingram like rep New Orleans pretty hard recently. Like that's just, I don't know. It's very, I'm kind of getting sentimental right now, but it's like, it's very like heartwarming that what they're building here. And it seems like Stan Van Gundy just fits into that mold of a person I want a part of this culture. And it kind of, it just kind of reminds me of like, um, like a, like a Sean Payton type of hire, you know, mm-hmm. like a, a guy who's going to bring his own culture. And that Sean Payton was a little different. He had, you know, he, he was a youth inexperienced, but Stan Van Gundy just being here, seems like he's going to bring that type of culture. And then on top of that, he preached defense the most, which is what we need the most. Right. So I'm super excited about that. Um, you know, I, I was hoping at first that we were going for a young, unproven guy that can grow with the team. But the more I hear Stan Van Gundy talk, and the more I'm listening to him talk about the Pelicans, and the more I hear him preach defense, the more I, I thought it was the right hire. So that that was going to be my rebuttal to that, right? Is is why didn't the team, or why 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 did you switch from? Going, to, you know, talking about a young, you know, exciting coaching prospect that can grow with the team mm-hmm. to Stan Van Gundy, and obviously answer that question because, like, that's that was my take is that that's what we needed a guy who who's going to be here for the long haul mm-hmm. because I don't know, just like at Stan Van Gundy's age, how long he's been out of the game, you know, will it transition well? Like, I, I don't want to be looking for a new coach two, three years down the line. Right. You know, like I, f- I feel like the the coaching carousel we've been on, and and I get that's that's the NBA, right? Like, coaches get fired at the drop of a hat, but I mean, it w- it would just like kill me if if one of these you know new young up and coming coaches went somewhere else and 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 just completely took off, and and we wasted three years with Stan Van Gundy. And the deal is, I mean, they could they could still get hired next year, but no team outside of the Pacers hired a new young upcoming coach, you know? So, so who's your assistant guy that you think would benefit this team the most? Well, we hired one and it was well, Bob Byers. Bob Byers. Bob He's Byers. been with 
Van Gundy since uh, Orlando. Yeah. So he was with Van Gundy in Orlando and Detroit. We did make a trade. Gentry for Bob Byer. Yeah. Uh, we got Fred Vincent still on there. You know, I want to see if Will Wade. I'm sorry, not Will Wade. Will Weaver. Weaver he's actually uh, if he interviewing for OKC. Yeah, if he doesn't get hired by OKC, do we reach out? They say it's a possibility. They say he has two possibilities, right? They say if he doesn't get the OKC spot, he has, and th- and this is just a rumor, and, and and I don't know how verified it is. They say he also has two offers to either be an assistant for New Orleans or Houston. I could see that. Either way, I would like him. I could see him providing stability in New Orleans for potentially a future head coach if Stan Van Gundy has, in my best case scenario, so much success and so many championships after four or five years yeah. he decides to retire. You know? But uh no, he would be an excellent hire. So that would be my pick. And it would be like I said, it would be on par with um Trajan Langdon, a guy that I wanted to be my GM and it sounded like we missed out on him and then we end up hiring him after we get David Griffin and Will Weaver would be in that same mold a guy a younger guy that I wanted to be a head coach and we we don't get him but then we hire him as an assistant that would be my dream scenario I tell you what Brooklyn is building a hell of a a bench for Steve Nash well, hell yeah, they need yeah. to. They got a lot of personalities to deal with. Yeah. You got to have some strong head coaching personalities in there to counteract that. I think Steve Nash would have got chewed the fuck out if he was all by himself. Did it like a Jason Kidd did. Yeah, so who do you you know, who do you know go out and get? You have Mike D'Antoni, seven, 73 years old. I still think is an underappreciated basketball mind in a league, at least from a fan's perspective. And then who else you got? The uh, M.A. Odoka, right? Yeah. Um, who everybody says is going to be a head coach in the league one day. So you got one of the top assistants in all of basketball um, from that that coached in the bubble. His name is, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But now you have the highest paid assistant coach who a lot of people thought was going to be a head coach. Um, and then you go out and get Mike D'Antoni in M.A. Odoka. So, yeah, you, you, have a, a, you have potentially four head coaches on your bench. That's amazing. That's yeah. a good job by that's a good job by Sean Marks. It's like the Steve Kerr Warriors. I mean, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I mean with Stan Van Gundy, uh, I think the key here is building culture. And that's why he was hired. He was the best one to do that. I still think he's the best one to do that, especially after hearing him talk. Um, because he said some things that I don't even think a guy like Gentry would think about. Um, and they talk about like we, we talked about it, right? We talk about how do you build culture? All these teams are looking for culture. They had a thing about Chicago. You know, they're really looking at this guy in the draft because they want to reinforce their culture they're building. The Knicks are saying the same BS. How do you actually back that up? You know, it's not just like a young guy going out there and screaming and telling them to do something. He said it really well, and he said it just like you would at any other job. He said he's sitting down with each of these players. He's going to figure out what their goals are for their careers. Because, again, this is their, you don't even think of it like that. We as fans don't even think of it like that. But it's it's their careers. Where do they want to go with their careers? This is something you, you get at, like, a lot of major jobs and stuff like that. You sit down with your manager. You tell them where you want to go. And they go, okay, here's what you need to do to get there. And that's what Van Gundy's doing. He's going to put them on a path for them to be the most successful and that they're going to make their own accountability by doing that. 
So, uh, I mean, as, as far as that goes, I, I, I think that's, you know, just such a great thing. And he just seems like a really smart guy. Everything he said to me just sounds perfect. So, like you said, his defensive emphasis, he's like, well, first thing is when I look at this team, we got to stop baskets going into the paint. You ever heard Gentry say that? I never heard him say Dude, that. Dude, I'm going to interrupt you, Tyler, really quickly. Uh, I just got kind of giddy thinking we don't have to hear the Gentry system anymore. Yeah, that's I mean, one thing I'm excited about dude, for the next season. Like that, that turned me off so bad. That Clippers game in the bubble, where he's just like, "Oh, I thought we played fine defense." What yeah. was what was really ironic, really ironic about that is Stan Van Gundy actually was calling that game and was talking about how putrid the defense was. Yeah, in that game, so he understands that, and he knows his his defensive has always worked. And, you know, they talk about Gentry with record and stuff like that. Stan Van Gundy's defenses have always been great because what his defenses are so good at is making teams shoot the shots they don't want to shoot. That's the Milwaukee Bucks mantra. Yeah. Yeah. And he talked, he specifically mentioned the Milwaukee Bucks Mm -hmm. the other day. And he said, Milwaukee uh, gives up the most, uh, I think the best three point percentage or the most threes in the league. Right. But they're the number one defense back to back years. Why? Because they're paint defense. Right, and they don't foul. Yeah. They don't foul as often either. Yep. So, uh, like, when when I heard him talking like that, that's the first team that got brought up to me was Milwaukee. Because Milwaukee, you got the basically twin towers in the paint with uh, Lopez and and uh, Giannis. And, and they're, you're just not going to get easy shots. Take your three-pointers. Yep. Take your three-pointers and make them. Yeah, and he's talked about, they're like, oh, so you're going to get away from pace and do like this four-out. And then he's like, no, I'm going to play with pace. I like this team with pace. Mm-hmm. I've watched them play with pace. But we want more movement off the ball. You know, and like he's already got, you can already tell his like brain's going. He's got all these ideas that, uh, you know, I think he knows how to successfully put on the court instead of a new guy that's going to try to experiment. He's got the experience to say what he's going to say. He's got a plan. And he knows how he knows exactly how he's going to implement this plan. And I love what he said too. He said we have to have a base defense and a base offense down before we start getting cute and making serious adjustments. Yep. So because like, somebody asked him like, so how do you go with such a young team? Um, how do you go about making adjustments and playing to the strengths and weaknesses of other teams? And he basically just kind of stopped the question. He was like, listen, we need to establish who we are first. Right, like we need to establish what we are offensively and what we do well defensively, and we gotta not we gotta solidify those aspects of our team and of our game, and then we'll make the adjustments as we go. And it's genius because what he's doing is he's making sure the players already always remember a few things to mm-hmm. do instead of overcomplicating it for them. And that's and, what. And, go, go and, ahead. And real quick, is that what, like a problem that we had with Gentry? Like that was like I feel like a common complaint we always had with Gentry, right? Like. The team was just free to kind of just... And lacked identity, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and as far as like, it just never seemed they had like a base that they could go to with like a base that they understand. It was just yeah, grab the rebound and try to push the ball up the and court. I, but it was hard to do that when the team's making shots. Yeah. And I asked my friend John Stogner about this because he's, he coached, I bring him up all the time. We got to have him on the pod. He's actually really cool. Um, But, he, you know, he coaches over at Shaman High and when we're getting into a fight with the bird rights... Um, I'm sorry, Bourbon Street shots. Uh, I asked them, I was like, man, they kind of, they called out the fans and they were like, you can't even, you don't even know five of the Pelicans plays. Uh, so you can't comment on the Pelicans. And I went to my friend, John, I was like, John, I'm not, you know, I don't really know too much about set plays and stuff, but you watch just as many Pelicans games as I have. 
you give me free tickets because you coach Shaman High and they offer the Shaman High basketball team free tickets. Like, what do you, how, can you name five Pelicans plays off the top of your head? And he goes, Chin, if they run five plays in a game, I don't see it often. So that made me feel a lot better coming from a fucking basketball coach who watches the Pelicans often and listens to the Pelly podcast often say, yo, they just don't run too many plays. You know, so you're right, Jesse. It, it it was frustrating to see that this past year, and it really shows like a lack of identity. And at times, I mean, y'all could probably attest to this. We just kind of looked uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, not only that, there's believe it or not, you wouldn't think with the amount of shots that we got up and stuff like that, but it was a lot of ISO ball. And mm-hmm. Van Gundy talked about that. Um, but I think he said this, and we would all say this: the offense is fine. You know, believe it or not, the offense put up 130 points. It was the de- it was without a doubt the defense. So his keys were transition defense, uh, protecting the paint, and you know, uh, I think offensively, what he talked about is things that give teams the advantage on the ball. So rebounding and turnovers. Right, we were fine offensively in terms of scoring points, but the turnovers were ridiculous. But I think that's a big emphasis. The turnovers were bad, and then he mentioned it. Like, I'm getting all my talking points from Stan Van Gundy, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. He mentioned it. We, as an offense, were more efficient when we got to the free throw line. Oh, yeah. And that helped out our defense tremendously. And so, like, yeah, scoring points is great, but we can still improve offensively for sure. And he... And he knows that. Yeah. Like he he he's not like his brother. He pays attention to the analytics side of the game. <laughs> yeah. oh, man, damn. Let him know. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, but it's true. Yeah. Uh, but he gets the analytics side of the game, but he uses that to help make decisions for him to kind of reinforce things that he's done. And he's talked about this before. If you go yeah. and look at it, uh, his uh, introductory press conference. But um, he doesn't. He's not forcing these analytics onto the players. He's giving them these basic fundamental ideas that need to happen. Mm-hmm. And you know things like getting to the free throw line. He understands. Like if you are a team that does not get to the free throw line, you're screwed because every team, no matter it could be the Golden State Warriors, it can be whoever. There is going to be a night where your shot's not falling. It's gonna happen. And too many times under Gentry, we were a jump shooting team. I think we were that for the most part under Monty as like a slow team. Mm. You know, um, he understands you have to get to the line and he knows he's got the players to do it too. Um, and it's, it just seems like that's such a basic thing to preach that our team didn't get. Like how many times do you watch NBA games and a guy is struggling? So what does he do? He takes it to the fucking basket oh, and goes get free throws. All you got to do is just watch the Rockets to see yeah, that. You know? Yeah, you know? so like, And it's not always going to lead to wins. It's not always the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. But it puts so much pressure on the team. Mm-hmm. It really does. And it opens up so much more things. Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, though, I'm excited about Stan Van Gundy. Yeah, if you can't okay. tell, I'm excited yeah. as well. I think, <laughs> nice. I think he was the... I'm not even shitting you. I think he was the best possible hire. When I first heard his name, I wanted him over Lou. So, because I, I, you guys I, did exactly over Doc, over Rivers. Doc oh Rivers? yeah, no, I would, I would yeah. want him over Doc Rivers, no question. Okay. I think he is coming in with a mindset not too many coaches come in with. I think he is, like I said, going to pave way to build that culture. He's going to give the team an actual identity moving forward, regardless I think a similar, of if he's there or not. Similar success to Doc too. 
in terms of win percentage and playoff wins. I think a guy like no Doc goes to a team. It's a Doc team, not mm. Mm. not the Philly, not the Philadelphia 76ers, right? Interesting, yeah. yeah. Whereas the goal here is we're trying to make the Pelicans look that, you know. I got to give credit like to Doc, first. though. But this last year was a little rough. But before that, I, I mean, thought he, he's I a, thought he adjusted well. He's a good coach. Yeah. I just think a guy like Van Gundy fits. Yeah. We don't like Doc Rivers. Again, I you think, said this already. We're, we were not Doc Rivers' first choice. Right. Yeah, that's the, my biggest we issue. We were Stan Van Gundy's only choice. Right. Hey. Like, Dude, this fucking is, tweet that shit right yeah. there. I love that. Yeah. Like, he didn't pick anybody yes. else. He said, I, he said, I looked at this team. I met with the staff. I met Swin Cash. I met Trajan. I mm-hmm. met David Griffin. David Griffin didn't even know him. And, you know, he, you know, JJ Reddick said how great he is. And he comes in and you can just listen to the way he talks and you're like, wow. Yeah, my deal with Doc Rivers was I think instantly you said it was it's a Doc Rivers team. And in my head, I'm like, I want that identity. I want that culture. I want the affirmation that we are going to be a team that competes. But at the same time, if we were a Doc Rivers team, we were Doc Rivers' second choice team. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't mm-hmm. want that. I didn't want that on our backs at all. We need to be looked at like you That's, go to the Spurs, uh, you get, and Van Gundy said this perfectly, you get a player who fits your team. Like mm-hmm. players will actually go to you because you fit what they're trying to do with their career. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's just such a great way to look at it because you're not going to get every superstar. You're not going to you know be able to land everything, but guys mm, are going to come yeah. to you because they know like, hey, this coach really emphasizes defense, and that's what I'm great at. You know, this team does that. So yeah, and Jesus, I could talk about Stan Van Gundy for like hours, dude. It's yeah. crazy. But I really enjoyed what he said, where he said, "I'm going to sit down talking about players that fit what we're trying to do here." He said, "I'm going to sit down with each individual player." and see what their goals are for this season and then and you said this already yeah no but i'm just saying like the 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 that idea that he's going to hold them accountable based off their own goals that they set and then show them how to realize their goals through what he personally envisions for the team so you may say brandon ingram says yeah i want to be first team he's like yeah and you know how you get the first team the team wins and people start to recognize you. How yeah. does the team win? With defense. And I know how to fucking make a team that plays defense. So, yeah, that's how I said it earlier. That's how you build the accountability. Yeah. You make them accountable for themselves. Right. So, I mean, the way he worded that was perfectly, and I, I had to say it twice. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So, I, I, I needed to be sold on Stan Van Gundy, right? Did because, we do it? Yeah, y'all did a really good job. Because I'll tell you this. When, we did, when I... When the Van Gundy hire happened, and you two were both busy um, at the time, so I jumped on the locker room app mm-hmm. and kind of like served as like the Pelicans correspondent for that news drop. Thank mm-hmm. you for representing us. Yeah, Jeffrey. download the download that app, locker room app. It's uh, out now. Yeah, it is. It is officially live, out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at that time, I was on with maybe like eight to ten other, um. I guess like speakers in the group, mm-hmm. you know, and nobody, I mean, there was like, nobody had a, had a, had a reason for why this, the Pelicans hired him. I mean, nobody, I mean, it was all negative. And the more I listened to it, the more I was like, well, that's kind of what I was thinking too. But 
you know, I was trying to be positive, but now that I think about it, I just can't be positive. Like, there's there's no way I can be positive about this hire, especially when you're in a room with 10 people who are all saying, like, dude, they just fucked up. And 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 the more I listen to you guys, it, it's just kind of like, all right, I guess there is some, you know, some way to be positive in all this, right? Like, I get that he's old, and I get that his last tenure was, was, was miserable, but listening to him in the press conference, the one thing he did say was, I'm just excited to get back to just coaching and not having to worry about front office decisions. And I, and I guess if you, if you are a coach, right, like that's a full-time job in itself. But, and being a team's president or GM, you're basically taking and, on a whole other full-time job that yeah. is, is it's rough. And the relationships are different. But it's not even just that, too. Uh, I mean, it's partly is it's more to do with what he did as a GM that affected that, but it wasn't roster decisions. When you judge a coach, you definitely judge them off of the talent they have. Right. So like we constantly underperformed under Gentry, therefore see you later. But I, I don't think that Detroit team was that good. I mean, he was relying on Reggie Jackson. Yeah. You know, was, jo- was Josh Smith on that part of that? Yeah, he okay. was. I think early on, he was a part of that. Uh, you know but who they dude. got? They got that dude, John Lohr, who was supposed to be like a floor stretcher, but he wasn't. That team actually started off pretty well before injuries hit them really hard, yeah. too. Yeah, injuries hit them, especially with Reggie Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, Andre but, Drummond just never took that next step, Yeah, if I, you ask me. So, I mean, he never really had the talent to make that team great, but even then they were still a decent defensive team and he still brought them to the playoffs. And people in Detroit are still like, yeah, he was a good coach, just a shitty GM. When do you ever hear fans say, talk about a coach that they fired and they were like, yeah, he's a good coach? And 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 that kind of makes sense, though, because like I said before, like being a coach is a full-time job. Imagine trying to be a GM on top of that. Yeah. And you know if, it doesn't work. If it does, yeah, it just doesn't work. And then also, it's it's tough to go to a fan base who is upset with the results of Stan Van Gundy's coaching and asking them for an honest opinion. Like if you, if the Phoenix Suns came to the Pelicans and said, "Yo, what do you think about Monty Williams?" We would have told them nothing but negative things because we were so upset about the outcome. Of saying, our team as with him as a head coach, and he's ended up being a pretty good head coach. For I'm them. saying even then, Detroit was still like, yeah, he was great. And then I think people in Orlando would say the same thing. Yeah, I'm just saying but, like there there were fans from Detroit that were like, yeah, and then there were fans on the locker room. But there's fans out here that are like yeah. on the Pelicans who like there's fans of the Pelicans who are like, yeah, bring Monty Williams back. Yeah, you know, it's just. Nobody was saying that when they were booing him in an arena. Yeah. yeah. Straight up booing. I've never yeah, seen a so. coach get more booed than him, and Gentry got booed a lot. So that was, that, that's the only thing I wish in New Orleans fans would change. Like, Stop booing. Stop booing the coach. Like, Yeah, I don't like that don't at all. Don't boo at all unless it was Eric Gordon. That's fine. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, I hate Eric Gordon. That's why we haven't got an AD thank you letter yet is because we – we booed him every time he touched the ball after he requested a Fuck trade. It, I don't care. God, dude, Eric Gordon. <laughs> so we'll move on to the to the next topic. I, we look, we have five topics, but we're already an hour in, so we might have to cut one of these yeah, or we can, just talk we, short. We we'll roll through it. it. Yeah. Um, NBA restart December twenty second. Fast man, a month yeah. and a half away. So you have to have the draft, free agency. 
some type of training camp and preseason and summer league to get everybody acquainted. And then your first game is damn near Christmas Day. And so they got seven weeks to draft free agency training camp. It's less than seven weeks, huh? It's uh, about seven it's about weeks. Seven I weeks. think it starts on a Friday. I can look that up. And then 72 games? 72 games. Yeah. And then they're talking about uh, potentially where, like, you know, if we go to Memphis, we're going to play. It's going to be more like baseball where you play all the games there, and that's it. Like, you don't go back to Memphis at any point. Yeah, that's that's smart. Yeah. That's smart. If I trust anybody to handle this, it's the NBA. Yeah, same. I mean, seeing what they did with the bubble. Right. Much better than it's. It's going to be closer to probably what the NFL is at right now. Where facilities might have to shut down, and they might have to have like a you know a reserve list, and being able to pick up G League players at any time and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think they'll I think they'll do a good job. Quick question: I mean, everybody gets affected by this, but does this, in terms of um, comparing it to other teams, does the short turnover benefit the Pelicans? In comparison to the other teams, or does it hurt them more than other teams? I think it kind of hurts them because they're trying to put together a whole new system. Yeah. And they're not going to have much time. So one thing I hope Pelicans fans can be this season patient. is a little bit more patient than than previous seasons. Um, you know, it, it, it may take a minute for everything to kind of come together. And I feel like we say that often, right? Like every season, but this season more, more than ever because it is going to be expedited. No offense, there are going to be players on our team who catch, who 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 catch COVID. That, that's that's yeah. just the reality of the situation. So players are going to be in and out of the lineup. I mean, if 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 you're if you have to quarantine for COVID sickness, you're looking at at least fourteen days. I I agree. I think it hurts the Pelicans yeah. uh, disproportionately compared to other teams because we have a brand new coach, a brand new system, and we probably are going to have multiple moving pieces. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's that's the p. Like, are are we making a trade? Are we trading right. for young players? Because if it's young players, they're not going to really have any. That's that's the thing. They're not going to have time to learn a system. But what is Stan Van Gundy said? It's not an excuse. Well, yeah. I'm gonna tell you who it's not an excuse for, and it's the guy we haven't really talked about is Zion. Yeah, I think year two Zion. If it's the way it's looking, is like a watch out it's That's a it's what the year was it year two or three that ad broke out uh i think it was, it was year, year three two. i think year two he was really two, fucking good and yeah year, and year three, three was, he like, was like transcendent yeah i think we i hope we see that type of oh i so, so i mean we've already seen him when he's out of shape partially injured coming in you know in his first games and he's dominating so yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to see that jump from Zion. I'm ready to see regardless. What, I'm ready yeah. to see him. But I'm hey, ready to see him defensively. As Stan Van Gundy said, any time, any place, any game, we're going to be ready. So, and I think he will. Live he up to is. It, he has been talked about multiple times about for his preparation. So I think I don't think it's as big of a disadvantage as y'all two might. I think if we now if we trade Drew for some draft picks. Maybe right. Yeah. They're in the starting lineup. Then yeah, you definitely yeah, yeah. got a point for sure. So NBA draft November eighteenth. Mm-hmm. We gotta um, do a podcast before that one. Super important day. My uh, taxes are owed that day. You don't need that. <laughs> for what? 
I got to pay the government this year, and oh, I asked for an extension. Oh, <laughs> shit. So two hey, things happened on that day. Real talk, you want to pay the government. That means they're not... They had, they didn't hold your money. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, true. Makes sense. That's how I think about it. Yeah, you're right. I, I owe taxes every time I pay taxes. Yeah, it yeah. sucks. Must so, be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, though, um, the Pelicans, are they going to stand pat or are they going to try to move up? I mean, they, I, I, is there a guy they like to move up for? I think there's a few guys. I think, uh, and if that guy is there at the the time they can pull the trigger, do you think they do it, or do you think they say, yeah, maybe the risk isn't worth the outcome? If there is a guy, if there's like that, we love that dude. Like, and you see this happen for uh, New Orleans for like Saints fans and stuff like that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of times Mickey Loomis and Sean will be like, "There's a guy they want. They Brandon will Cooks, do what Marcus they can. Davenport. They will do what they can to yeah. go get him." If there's a guy like that, then you go get him. What you know, whatever the cost is. But uh, is that guy in this year's draft? That's a good question because I, I I don't know. I so I think at like right after like maybe right where we at is where the drop off is. So we would kind of have to, if you think about it, be lucky to get a gem because everyone in that same tier pool, we're getting the last dude in that pool. Um, so if, if, there if we is, can jump some people, if we can jump a team like the Spurs, who are probably going to draft smart, I think we, they draft project. Yo, probably so, but it could definitely work out as it has before for them. Yeah. Um, if we can jump a few teams like that, and there's a guy that they want, and the cost isn't that high, then go for it. But I would, I would bank if we're moving up in the draft, Drew is probably traded. Um, at this point, I, I. I'm not ready to trade someone like Jackson Hayes, and I don't think Nas' value is there to go up there that high. So I think it's going to be a pretty uneventful draft for the Pelicans. Probably so. I probably think we so. just stay put, draft best available. I really, every time I see somebody in a draft fall, it it's normally for good reason. A lot of people have wise. Uh, I said Wiseman, um, Naismith going even farther than us now. Yeah, I like He's dropping. I like Neesmith. I like Sadiq Bay. Um, I like those three and D wings. But uh, I don't. Who, who knows, man? Maybe one of those polarizing players up, up at the top that Pelicans really like, like a Wiseman or like a, a Killian Hayes. Maybe that's something they see in the future, uh, and and they go up and grab them. And we have a lot of draft picks to move up. You know. Yeah. And, and maybe we could do something like that, but. I really don't see it. I think the Pelicans stay put. I just think the teams who are in the front, believe it or not, are looking to win. That's so weird to say, but yeah. they're they're not looking for more draft picks. I think like Golden State, Atlanta, they're looking for players. Yeah. Well, Golden State's going to be back. Minnesota's to, probably looking for players right now too. Golden State is in a is in a unique predicament, right? Like yeah. they didn't have their full team last year. But they are getting back Clay Thompson. They are going to get a, a healthy Steph Curry again. Um, now, will they able to be able to reproduce that Warriors team from the prior Kevin Durant years? I don't know. But, I mean, will they waste a pick or will they just trade back? It, it, it just seems, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think they'll waste a pick. I mean, I think they will end up getting somebody like Wiseman who maybe fits a need and has a, you know, a higher floor. Um, that can become a trade commodity at a deadline or just kind of like they did with D'Angelo Russell, you know. Um, but the problem is, like, 
in any trade they look for with a player, the guy they're unloading is Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Or they just keep Andrew Wiggins this year and just run it, you know, if they can't get rid of him. Yeah, I mean, I think they can, you know, that guy you you got, Jonathan got bashed for for drafting in our draft on the locker room. Um, Akongu, if I'm saying it right. I yeah, on Yeko, right. Akongu, yeah. Uh, you got bash for it. They they're talking about Golden State could even potentially draft him because he would he would come in and you know kind I of think, fill a need defensively. I think the latest mock draft I just read they had the uh, Golden State taking that dude from Tel Aviv. Oh, uh, really? About, yeah, I, I swear. I just re- like uh, recently. I, I think I was reading through. Yeah, mock the, drafts. the mock drafts are all over the place. And um, uh, it, Denny Avdijil, I don't mm-hmm, know. Yeah. Any FG, whatever. Yeah. No, I really, I don't think they take him. I can't see that. No, yeah, I don't. I think they definitely go with one of the bigs or. uh, I mean, look, Onyeka Kongwu is top five in almost every draft. And in the locker room map, I got him at 13. That's what I was saying. At yeah, 13, crazy, you yeah. had to go for him, and then you got bashed for they it. They got bad. They were like, I would have taken Cole Anthony. I was like, did we, did we watch the same Cole Anthony last year? <laughs> um, but yeah, any case, the draft just we draft down, you know. If uh, I, but like like Tyler said, man, that those picks like ten through fifteen are almost like interchangeable, right? Yeah. So I, I think there's value at that thirteen spot. Maybe I really I know I keep coming back to him, but I really think Aaron Neesmith fits that role of. I mean, superstars that drafted at their team. I still think this. I think if you can shoot in the NBA and you're a proven shooter, like no matter, like look at Buddy Heald, right? Buddy Heald got ninety million dollars. Sure, he's disgruntled and all that, but his thing is he can he can shoot. He yeah. can shoot lights. If you're a lights out shooter, you got a place in the NBA. Um, and maybe he doesn't work out for this team or anything like that, but he could come in and fill in a, a immediate hole if he if he is a great shooter i mean look mm. at that's that's what made harrow who he is that's what took jamal murray to the next step you know um if you can shoot lights out you got a place and he so. played for you know he played for jerry stackhouse and so he he ran nba sets that i think uh is going to benefit him with a person like stan van gundy who probably does more off-ball stuff than monty williams but like i said i don't think it's going to be an eventful day for the pelicans I think we just stay put and draft the best available. So that's your bet. Jesse, that's my bet. Is that your bet? Uh, yeah. I think they're just going to stay they're going to stay put at 13. I am going to say they're trading up. I don't know what, I don't know who. Um, but they're trading up. I'm going to go with that. Can I actually one more other question? Are there any tradable assets on the roster right now besides Drew? Yeah, Jackson we, Hayes. Okay. For sure. So that um, that was kind of like the last topic, right? So just so people know Tyler requested to talk about Jackson Hayes tonight, and we're about to find out why. Yeah, because, I mean, I've heard, like I, we just said, he is a tradable asset. But I, in the same thing that we talked about in all the last, our last podcast, I feel like a lot of people have already given up on Jackson Hayes, which is insane to me. Um, he is a, he's a mid-lottery pick, um, but he, when we drafted him, he was drafted as a project player. A project player is not suddenly great at the end of his first season. He's not even great in his second season. You know, you you understand you have to build what he is as a player. But what he's shown on the what he's shown on the court, I think he improved throughout the season. 
And I think he took on a way bigger role than he was ever supposed to. And he did a pretty admirable job for a 19-year-old. Um, and while, you know, he wasn't great defensively, I mean, what did you expect? Is it Was anybody good defensively last season? No. You know, and I've, you know, I've heard it on a couple places that like, hey, you know, maybe Van Gundy will like kind of get Jackson Hayes in the right time. He's got to get the whole team in the right place defensively. Yeah. Um, and I mean, with the negative we knew with Hayes is he's not really ready to rebound and bang in the paint because he just doesn't have that strength. But the athleticism was there. I think people talk about like uh, he needs to raise his maturity level and thinking skills. But I thought he mentally improved in the game a lot. He took a lot in and he did a lot. When I saw in the bubble, go look at Bubble Jackson Hayes if you can. Go watch Bubble Jackson Hayes and then go watch the first five games Jackson Hayes and tell me if they're the same player. I guarantee you won't. So um, yeah, he- I, I think that's crazy to to give up on him. If if the Pelicans have a guy they really like and he's like a guard or a wing, ideally in the NBA it would be like, okay, you already got Tremaine big with Zion. You do go get that guy, but I think Jackson Hayes can still work here. Yeah, and I don't understand. Um, I don't understand that either. We literally, like you said, we literally, they literally drafted him and the introductory press conference was like, listen, we know Jackson Hayes isn't NBA ready right now. But we love the potential. His raw athleticism can't be taught. His speed can't be taught. His feel for the game can't be taught. But his body just isn't caught up yet. And then after a season, we're like, Jackson Hayes isn't ready. I don't understand that. I think we have a, I think we have a really, really good potential, uh, potentially amazing center to put next to Zion and Jackson Hayes. And I can like, I just imagine the entire team playing above the rim. I think we Most have to look at game. Hayes getting more minutes this season, yeah. too. And if he's not ready to get minutes, that's where the argument can come into play because, okay, like year two, you do have to start kind of pulling your weight at least. So uh, do we need to look at a huge center or anything like that? Do we need to fill in that need that much? Because we are still, again, in the building process. So part of that building process is getting Jackson Hayes that same experience we want Zion and Ingram and Lonzo to get. So he needs to be in the fire. Right. I agree. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Zion and Brandon Ingram embrace that increased role this year as leaders. And I think we said this off the podcast. If you're in a playoff game and it's the mid to end of the fourth quarter, who wants the ball in their hands? Right? Mm -hmm. And I think the answer has to be Zion and B.I. Yep. And... I'm excited to see that role increase as the season progresses because last year we saw a lot of that fall into the hands of Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick. And I want to see that. Um, we saw it in B.I. a little bit last year, but I want to see it even more in Brandon Ingram and even more in a lot more in Zion this year. The last thing I'll say real quick on Hayes is that, uh, you know, a lot of people I think want to get rid of him because they want to stretch big next to Zion. I still don't even think that's the answer. I think another rim runner can help Zion even. Um, and an aggressive you know, uh, player like Hayes is, who gets to the line and finishes at a great rate, can be really, really good for Zion, believe it or not. So that's my last thing on him. Yeah, I think an aggressive big 
if 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 Jackson Hayes continues to be aggressive and gets to the free throw line, I think you're going to see our offensive efficiency go through the roof. And then, I mean, just to quote Stan Van Gundy, you get to the free throw line on offense, you set up on defense, your defensive rating goes to the roof. You're not getting to the line shooting three-pointers. So that's going to be the end of this episode. Um, a lot of good points made tonight. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how the team develops. And... Obviously, our next podcast is going to be either pre or post draft. Yeah, and then we'll—I mean, I guess we could start paying attention to free agents this year. Uh, I was just going through the list. There's obviously a lot of names that would be a great fit for this team, and and hopefully we can, you know, not only build through the draft but build through free agency as well, and kind of put together a, a team that can be competitive this year. Yeah, we'll get a lot of answers about uh, the Drew trade and what this team needs after the draft, and then we can start looking at how do we fill those needs. Yeah, and then, you know, Griffin even said it himself. He wants vocal and veteran leadership, so I'm sure he's got some guys in mind um, who he's looking at in free agency, and it's going to be real interesting to see who he brings to see the type of players that he's looking for. Shit, six weeks, six, seven weeks. Yeah. Uh, Damn. Get yep, ready. It's close. It's coming. It's here. That's we awesome. Get, can we just pray to the basketball gods? It's every year. It, it doesn't happen. But yeah. if we all just want to come, uh, whatever we got to do to have no injuries this season to the major players, please. Oh, please. dude, I would I would sacrifice my dog for that. <laughs> Patches, close your ears. <laughs> I, dude, I just like... You know, we were talking earlier today, and I, and I know we said we were going to shut the show because, I mean, it's obviously gone over an hour, but we were talking about how nice Boogie looked next to AD Hurt. on that team. And I, we were at the game when he blew out his Achilles, right? I wasn't. I wasn't. No, we weren't at that I mean, game. I, I was definitely at the game. Oh, okay. you were at it. I, I was. One, I don't know who was with me. I, th- I thought it might have been you two, but uh-uh. I was definitely at that game, and, and, and watching him go down was just like... What the fuck? What the dude? Because we were just starting to click, and and then to go back and watch highlights from that team, I mean, just the way they play, Boogie, just played through AD and the rest of that team, it was just like, it's magic. And you want to know what? You want to know the crazy thing is? That's like every fucking season. We said this last season before yep. it started. Yep. I'm like. This is our team if we don't get injured. But I know we're gonna get injured. Who gets injured? Fucking Zion. It sucks. I want it to end. That's why I don't want Karis LeVert at all, by the way. Yeah. Maybe we just get injury-prone players, and then they <laughs> they won't be with us. I don't know, man. You know. No, I, I just think we... It was fucking Drew, Eric Gordon, AD, Zion, DeMarcus Cousins, any major player we have had, Tyreek Evans... Uh, fuck, Ryan Anderson, like, almost broke his mm. neck. Like, any major player you can think of that's been on the Pelicans, uh, all the way back to Chris Paul, they've all had major injuries. Let's, we break that curse this year. This is the year we break the curse. I hope so. All right, so that's the end of the episode, and we will see you guys uh, next time for episode 31. 31. Later. Later.